at the movies. How many of you have been wondering what in the world is Buddy going to do with Elf? Well, I've been wondering the same thing. Sometimes something sounds like a great idea two months ago, and then you hit it and you got to come up with a sermon. And yet, I will tell you this morning, Elf is my favorite Christmas movie. And it really demands a very biblical question of all of us. Paul says in Galatians 4 verse 15 to a group of Christians who are struggling, what has happened to all your joy? And this movie, if you watch it, that's the theme, is joy. Almost a, an unexhaustible joy that comes out of Buddy the Elf. You can see this next picture of him as Will Ferrell. And Will Ferrell uh, is the Buddy the Elf. Now, h- how does this story unfold? How many of you have watched this movie? Raise your hand. Okay, good. Well, majority of you are spiritual. Well, um, if you've watched this movie, you know that, that Buddy actually uh, it was in an orphanage and snuck into Santa's sack and got to the North Pole where he's made an elf, but the bigger he grows, the more awkward it gets, and he's not an elf. And he's uh, finally determined he's a human being, and uh, he's sent back to meet his biological father who happens to live in New York City. And so he's sent back there, and his father is not thrilled to see him. His father, um, we would say, and Buddy would say, was on the naughty list. And um, it's not a really good encounter. And the movie sort of follows the plot of Buddy and his father and, and how he seeks to love him and win him over. His father's actually so upset about this, does not believe he has a son, another son, and finally asks for a test. And the test proves that Buddy the Elf really was Walter Hobbs' son. And so the rest of the movie follows this as Buddy the Elf slowly breaks down those barriers and um, forces this uptight, rather jerkish man to finally reevaluate his priorities. And so I'd say to you this morning, there's a lot to learn from Buddy the Elf. Now, probably not the Elf's four main food groups. Anybody remember the Elf's four main food groups? Candy, candy canes, candy corn, and syrup. <laughs> Man, you're an expert. That's good. <laughs> All right. Hey, anybody remember the scene where they're eating spaghetti and uh, Buddy pours the syrup all over the spaghetti? Well, those are probably not the things we will learn, but does anybody in here feel like that's the way you've eaten the last two days? Okay? We follow those rules. But there is something from the elves I think we can start off and learn something from. And it's called the Code of the Elves. And let me give you those three real quickly. Number one is treat every day like Christmas. That's a pretty good idea. To bring the excitement of Christmas to every day. First clip I want to show you is the excitement of Buddy the Elf. He's in this department store. A guy offhandedly tells him that Santa Claus is coming the next day. Of course, he knows Santa Claus personally. And just watch what he does.
I love that scene. And, and imagine if we treated every day with that kind of joy. And not because Santa Claus is coming, because Jesus is coming. We actually pray a prayer all about that. It's called the Lord's Prayer. And the most important line in that prayer, in my estimation, is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth that it is in heaven. What, what is the kingdom coming about? It's about Jesus coming as king in every area of our life. Some of us were taught early on that we didn't pray that prayer anymore because the kingdom had already come. That's an absolute misunderstanding of the kingdom. The kingdom is the reign, the rule of God that comes in our life. And the kingdom constantly comes as we walk through life and as we ask God to bring his kingdom, Jesus is constantly coming. That's why the song, Joy to the World, seems to have some really weird English. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Because that's wrong. The Lord has come. No, it gets it right. The Lord is come. Do you know what the word Advent means? For some of us, that's not a normal word. The word Advent simply means the coming of a notable person. And what joy to the world is saying is Christmas is more than just about one day. It's about Jesus coming into our lives every day, culminating in his final coming in the second coming. So we need to be the people who jump up and down every day as Jesus comes into our life saying, I know him, I know him. The call of the elves number two, there's always room for one more on the nice list. Aren't you glad to hear that? Some of you have been grumpy the last couple of days. Let's look at that again. There's always room for one more on the nice list. You see, Buddy's mission in this movie is to get his father on the nice list. In landmark terminology, he's looking for one more. But it doesn't start off too well. Watch his first encounter when he meets his dad at his office.
Well, needless to say, the first encounter doesn't go real well. But the rest of the movie follows the plot of Buddy the Elf unconditionally, expressively loving his father until his father finally comes around. And that brings us to the law of the elves number three. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. And we know that over the last few weeks. We love Christmas songs. It started back with the angels at the birth of Jesus. Until today, Christmas songs is part of the most special part of Christmas. I love this Christmas medley we sang at the beginning of service this morning. Just reminding us of all those incredible songs that have such powerful, truthful lyrics. I mean, even if you've been watching network TV this week, you heard people like Adele and Michael Buble sing Christmas songs about Jesus. It's so powerful, even our culture has to admit it. But listen, Christmas songs and Christmas cheer is not just about everything going well in your life. Because some of us could decide this Christmas, you know, things are bad, so I can't really celebrate. My friends, these Christmas songs can meet you in some of the lowest parts of your life. My favorite story is the Christmas truth of, truce of, one, of World War I, where the German troops and the English troops are in their trenches. They've been fighting day after day, bloody, bloody, terrible war that seems to be at a standstill. And finally, they decide one Christmas to call a truce. And from the German side, singing in German, one of the soldiers begins to sing Silent Night. And it wasn't just a few seconds before the rest of the German soldiers joined in, and then the British soldiers singing in English, and they all sang that song together. There's something powerful about these songs. Our ancestors understood the power of songs more than us. Look at how the people in America endured slavery. You would say from big point, they made it because of those spiritual songs that gave them hope. And so I'd say to you and I, it's those songs that empower us. Last clip I want to show you is from the end of the movie. And you'll notice in this ending... Everybody's been changed by Buddy the Elf's love. And uh, Santa's sleigh has crashed in Central Park, and the engine's out, and there's not enough power for the sleigh to go deliver the rest of Christmas presents. But Buddy believes that singing these songs will change things. And his girlfriend has picked up on this. Watch what happens in this scene.
Well, you see, it's the singing that empowered them with those words. And as you watch this story, you see those three, three laws of the elves. What you see is an abundance of joy that spreads. You ever know someone, they just walk in the room and their countenance and their expression spread joy? That's what happens in this movie. And as we look closely, what is the key? Why are we all so drawn to Buddy the Elf? And here's the answer. It's his childlikeness. It's not that he's childish. He does do some childish things, like eating gum off the rails at the subway station, you know. But he does so many things that are so just uninhibited, childlike, that we're drawn to it. Now, our Lord said something about this. I want you to look at Mark chapter 10, verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. You know, it it was customary in this day, if a famous rabbi was in town, you wanted him to lay hands on your child. There was a special blessing, and Jesus is in town, and the moms find out, and they're bringing their children. But he says, the last part of that verse, the disciples rebuked them. They don't get too mad at the disciples. The disciples are trying to protect Jesus. If you read the story closely, this is close to the cross. Jesus has got a lot going on, and his disciples think to themselves, he doesn't have time for these children. He's got lots to do. But this made Jesus really mad. Verse 14, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He was livid. He was angry. And then listen to what he said. Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Here's the truth you and I need to pick up on today. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God, like a little child, will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. I like the way the message translation said, verse 15. Unless you accept God's kingdom with the simplicity of a child, you will never get in. I don't know about you, but I want to get in. Say with me, I want to get in. No, no, act like you want to get in. I want to get in. Now listen to Jesus. You won't get in without the simplicity of a child. It's a pretty direct statement. So what is it about a child, this childlike faith we've seen in this movie, that allows us to receive the kingdom of God? First of all, it's about dependency. It's about just simply being dependent on God. You know, children, they don't mind asking for anything. When my grandchildren in my house, about ten times a day, sport comes up to me and says, Grandbuddy, would you do me one really, really big favor? He always wants something. And most of the time, he wants chocolate milk because chocolate milk is part of Grandbuddy's four food groups. And anybody who asks for chocolate milk can have chocolate milk. Children don't mind asking. But here's what's even more important. Children don't mind receiving. Us adults aren't very good at receiving. If someone buys us an expensive gift or an extravagant gift, we say stuff like, oh my, that, that was too much. Uh, I don't deserve this. Years ago, you know, I leaned over to my wife once when she had bought me something really expensive. I said, how much did you pay for this? That was not the right reaction, my friends, okay? 
Us, us adults, we don't know how to just receive an extravagant gift. But when you give a kid something big yesterday, did they question it? Did they ask you how much it cost? Did they act like they deserved it or didn't deserve it? No, they just accepted it. They could care less how much it cost you. And what Jesus is saying is that the childlike dependency and receiving of a gift teaches us how we receive the free gift of salvation. Paul made it plain in Ephesians 2, we don't deserve it. You are saved by grace through faith. It's not of yourselves. Listen closely. It is a free gift of God. And yet some of us have a hard time accepting salvation. As one young man told me once when I was telling him about becoming a Christian, he said, could you, could you tell me a little bit of how I could earn this? How could I deserve this? And sometimes our pride gets in our way because, you know, we don't want to come just completely dependent on someone else. We don't want to come, as the Bible would describe us, as helpless in our sins. We want to contribute some way to salvation. That's what got the early church in trouble. And yet, guys, salvation is received as a free gift when you accept it in a childlike manner unquestionably. It also, children not only don't mind asking, they don't mind receiving. Children don't mind trusting. I mean, some of us are dads. We remember our kids. You remember that face when they thought dad knew everything? (laughs) How many of you in the phrase where now they think you know nothing? (laughs) We've all been there. Our children just, you know, guys, right now there's a lot of crazy things going on in our country. Inflation, gas prices. Who knows what in the world is going to happen? But your young children are not worried about that. They know that one way or the other, they can trust you to take care of them. I love the story the three little boys were bragging on their dad. One of the little boys says, have y'all ever heard of the Empire State Building? They said, yes. He said, my daddy, he designed it. Other one said, have you ever heard of the Statue of Liberty? He said, they said, yeah. He said, my daddy, he built it. And the third little boy, struggling to what to say, finally says, have y'all ever heard of the Dead Sea? They said, yes. He said, my daddy, he killed it. <laughs> That's a 30-year-old joke. I can't believe it still works, all right? Probably needs to stay 30 years ago. But what's the point? Children simply trust. And guys, as crazy as our world is, the only way you're going to find joy is if you stop trying to figure it out, you stop trying to fix it all, and you finally just trust God that he's going to see you through. How else do they receive the kingdom of God? They receive it with wonder. I love this word wonder. We don't use this word near enough. You know, one of the funniest parts of the movie is when Buddy the Elf gets to New York City. Anybody ever remember the first time you went to New York City? I, I, I just was, I was overwhelmed with wonder. I mean, you walk down those streets, you know, and you got all those skyscrapers and a, a lifestyle that we couldn't even understand, and, and you just go, whoa, this is, this is overwhelming, and you go on top of the Empire State Building, you look across, and it's, it's just, it's amazing. But, you know, often, you know, my kids lived in New York City. By the time they left, I was like, I remember Stephanie and I getting on the plane once going, we've had enough in New York City. <laughs> it's time to get away from this. You, you lose the wonder. And yet, when it comes to Jesus, 
We never need to lose the wonder. Buddy walks into New York City. He's thrilled with revolving doors. Can't stop him. My favorite scene in the movie is a really weird scene. He's walking down a street in Manhattan. There's this little nondescript dirty coffee shop that says on the window, world's best coffee. Anybody remember that? And Buddy walks in the door and screams, congratulations, you did it. You got the world's best coffee. You remember when you were a kid and it's just little things that brought wonder when everything you wanted to know about I mean, last week I watched A Wonderful Life, which I've told you, it's got the greatest meaning of any movie we studied, but it is a hard movie to make it through. Anybody ever fallen asleep in A Wonderful Life? But I watched it last week with my eight-year-old grandson, Taze, and he loves to ask questions about everything. So he sat in my lap the whole way through, never fell asleep, and his sister was, you know, dancing around like nothing was going on. But I mean, he's just, he's just mesmerized. It's the wonder of this movie. And as adults, we lose that. You know, the average child, listen to this. The average child, according to studies, asks 25 questions a day. They're so curious. The average adult asks six questions a day. In fact, you know what's gotten on the um, Amazon bestseller book list? So you'd never guess. Adult coloring books. It said that for adults, it's stress-relieving for them to go back and color like a child. Guys, have we forgotten the wonder of the Christmas story? Have you, through this season, just relived this story that's so crazy? And we might could visualize God coming to this earth and sitting on a throne with a ticker tape parade and on every network around. And that... That'd be cool. That'd be wonderful in some sense. But how much more wonderful that God came as a baby, born to a peasant girl in a barn and laid in a feeding trough and experienced everything in life that we experienced, showed us how to live and died on the cross in our place. We should never lose the wonder. And yet, the words I just said, I will confess, I can say those words in rote memory like they don't mean anything. I asked you, I asked me this morning, have we lost the wonder? The wonder of not just the Christmas story, but of the Christ story and of God who's come after us. Who will never give up on us, who pursues us with unconditional love. How else do you receive the kingdom like a child with dependency, with wonder? And then here's our word of the day. It's with joy. Children exhibit uninhibited joy in the moment. That's why when you don't have little children around, Christmas loses something. Because one of the funnest parts of Christmas is to watch a child unwrap a gift with incredible joy. You see, children are so good about receiving joy in the little things. They, we see dandelions, and we think there's some weeds. They think there's a bouquet of flowers for mom. We feel the wind, and we brace ourselves, and we cover our hair because we don't want it to be out of place. 
Where a child closes their eyes, sprouts wings, and flies. We pray uptight prayers with these and thous and formal language. And a child says, hi God, thanks for the toys. We see a mud puddle and we step around it. A child thinks, here's the place for me to splash and play and build a bridge. You see, we've lost the joy and simplicity. You know, you, you probably gave your kids yesterday some elaborate gifts. We spend a lot of money. I've been to my, some of my grandkids' house. There are toys everywhere. But you know in the long run, some of the most elaborate toys they're not going to care about. And one of my grandsons, I'll tell you this, in the long run, he'll receive more joy out of going in the backyard and picking up two sticks and living in a dream world by himself. Because a child is able to have that kind of joy. Because they look at life, as Jesus said, simply. Many of us could use a return visit to kids' kingdom. Where you're taught down those halls, there are some things that make God happy, and there are other things that make God sad. Wouldn't that be a great lesson for us? I love the story of the famous theologian Karl Barth. He was from Germany, and he flew to America, and as he got off his airplane, people were so excited because he was so knowledgeable and such an amazing theologian. And one reporter asked him as he first stepped off the airplane, what in your judgment is the essence of the Christian faith? And of course, they're ready for some elaborate answer. And Karl Barth, who knows more than probably all of us together, said, here's the essence of the Christian faith. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Wouldn't you love to have that kind of faith? You see, my friends, these Christmas movies, they give us hope. They tell us we could change. That's why we love them. The Grinch, even though we still use that word always in a negative way, the Grinch changes. In Home Alone, Kevin grows out from being that selfish kid who didn't want his family around to loving his family. And in A Wonderful Life, George Bailey learns that his life was really significant and impactful and doesn't take for granted anything around him. And in our movie Elf, you saw him singing just a moment ago, Walter Hobbs learns joy from Buddy the Elf. So I want to remind you, as we leave Christmas and we head toward 2022, isn't that crazy? I want you to listen closely to what Jesus said. Unless you receive God's kingdom with the simplicity of a child, you will never get in. You know, when Buddy the Elf goes to the doctor and they do the test, and they find out it's Walter's son, the doctor says to Walter, don't worry too much. He's probably just reverting to a state of childlike dependency. Can I say this this morning? We all need to revert to a state of childlike dependency. If you want the kingdom of God to enter your world this, this next year, if you want God to enter your world every day, you must come as a child to receive. 
So as we close this lesson, I'd like you to just put your hands out, close your eyes, put your hands out to receive, and let's pray together. Father, we confess to you that often we have lost our joy. We live in a complicated, crazy world, and just to watch 30 minutes of news is to depress us. And yet we know that your son Jesus said that his kingdom has come, it is coming, it will come. And that we will receive it when we become childlike. When we stop trying to earn it and figure it out and we just depend on you. When we come to that point in life every day when we look in the skies and we see the stars and we pay attention to the little things and we read your word and we're just full of wonder. And Lord, when we have that dependency and that wonder, we're going to have joy. And so right now we hold our hands in a receiving way, inviting you to please give us these things. Soften our heart. We want this new year to be full of Christmas cheer. We want to believe what Buddy the Elf believed, that every day can be exciting as Christmas Day. Because you are arriving in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing a song of invitation in just a moment. And if you've lost your joy, I mean, Paul asked this in one of his most serious letters, the book of Galatians, where some of his Christian people have gotten so bogged down in legalism and figuring out and trying to save themselves, he says, what's happened to all your joy? And I don't know if it's legalism that stole your joy or, or the news or just the hassles and difficulty of life. But this morning, if you have lost your joy, and we could pray for you. Please meet us here on this front row. But before we go, come up, I want to read a passage over you that I think expresses what I'd like to say today and how I'd like you to leave this place in entering the new year. First Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And the whole church said, amen. If we could help you receive that kind of glorious joy, why don't you come right now while we continue standing and sing?